Hello everyone and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 169. I'm Benjamin Yoder here today to talk to you about video games. I'm not going to talk to you too much about Shining Resonance this week. Like I said last week, I'm pretty much done with everything in that game. This week I have finished it up entirely or everything I wanted to do with that game. So I'm basically done. Just under 60 hours. <laughs> that game was originally going to be a shorter JRPG for me, but I came to find out later as, as I was doing the content of that game, uh, the content I wanted to do made it be closer to 60 hours. <laughs> so, so yeah, either way, it's the, either way, it's done. It's over. It's good. We'll do like a quick play of it at some point using the new quick play format. I think JRPGs are going to fit a lot better into that. So, so I'll be able to do like a, a, a video on that. Um, where before I, I wouldn't be able to do that. So I'll have something like that coming up eventually. I don't know quite when yet, but but eventually. Uh, in terms of single-player stuff this week, though, uh, mainly been focusing on Jet Girls. I got my copy on Tuesday, the day it came out, and I started playing it. And, you know, my, my biggest concern getting Jet Girls is just that it would, it would have a lot of the same um, issues that Peach Beach Splash had. So if you don't know, Center Kagura Peach Beach Splash was like a competitive online third-person shooter focused around the Center Kagura uh, series. And it had like some fan service elements to it. And, and it generally was pretty janky, but the overall mechanics of the game were really fun and interesting. And that's what kind of drove me to, to pick up that title, uh, where I haven't really played any other Cinder Kagura games. And, and this game feels very similar. You know, it takes the general concept of you have water guns that you're shooting each other, but puts it into a racing game. So when you're you know racing around on this jet ski, you have this other character that's like behind you, and they get various different types of water guns. So you can get like a shotgun for like sh- close range blasts to people in front of you and behind you and you can get like sniper rifles to like try to shoot somebody who's like further ahead of you kind of thing and there's also this interesting mechanic where you know like like other racing games you get boost by doing drifting and tricks and things like that but when you get your boost meter to the maximum level you can actually expend that boost along with your weapon for different types of uh special attacks so you can have a like rocket launcher shot that very much acts like a blue shell in mario kart so you basically go and it shoots the person that's in first plate place uh then you have like sniper rifle ones where it like sends this like long like uh i guess you could call it laser beam that comes down from the sky across the center of the track uh around i I think for like a whole lap kind of thing and so it goes and like hits everybody who who you know is in the center of the track essentially um and so so you have some cool things like that and then um you also have in the boost system kind of a a incentive to store boosts longer than you normally would so you have a boost meter that can go all the way up to 100% kind of thing and when you max out that 100% you can expend all your boost all at once essentially and when you do that you get additional boost on top of your normal amount of boost that would be if you know it would it drains slower i guess is the better way to put it your boost meter drains slower but you can't like pick and choose how to boost like like you can slow down your boost kind of thing like you don't have to be boosting at all times but it's still draining your boost meter whether you're boosting or not so so you have the opportunity to use more boost than you normally would but you have to use it all at one time and then once that actual time period's out you're then down to zero percent boost until you earn it back up um so it's 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 kind of a lot of trade-offs in the uh in the mechanics of the game which i think is very cool um there's also some other cool things on top of it when it comes to like doing certain tricks will give you certain buffs things that make you invincible for a period of time uh things that increase your handling increase your speed uh give you extra boost uh, refill there's a lot of little things you can do too while you're racing to increase your speed as well as get additional boost uh, uh throughout so so there's a lot going on in this game mechanically uh the the big 
biggest challenge, though, is that the game doesn't really challenge you to use many of these, uh, at least from what I've seen so far. So I've played through the first story, which is basically the main uh, team of characters, basically. So I think there's like five or six teams, uh, the main teams from Tokyo. And uh, essentially, uh, in these these single-player uh, missions, the, the main goal is to come in first. Like, you just need to get first at a race. But there are three additional special missions that let you unlock different cosmetics and things like that. And a lot of these special missions, though, are things that require you to be, you know, actively interacting with other characters in the race. Like, you know, making sure you're shooting people with different types of weapons, you know, overtaking two characters within a particular period of time, things like that. The problem being is that the story mode, as far as I can tell, is set to easy. And I need to look a little deeper, but it doesn't seem like you can change the difficulty. So unless you're like very much trying to lose the race, there's a good chance you'll never actually complete those objectives because you'll be like 40, 50 seconds ahead of everybody. And if you're that far ahead of people, you're not really shooting anyone with different types of water guns, right? So so it's just this weird kind of um, thing where I don't, I, it just seemed like there wasn't a lot of thought put into, you know, how those objectives mix with a with the story mode and, and what kind of challenge there is to it, unless you're just a really bad player kind of thing. Uh, maybe they just have a low expectations for what their players can do. I don't know. Uh, but either way, um, it's just way too easy in the story mode. I, I did play um, a little bit of the free mode on normal, and normal seems to be a bit more of a, a challenge in that case. So, so it definitely seems like playing on normal mode in the free mode uh, gets you that that kind of interaction you can have. I'd say the last lap, you're typically ahead still, um, but but you still get the first couple laps with with you know time you're spent you know, shooting other characters and things like that. So kind of the challenge, though, uh, in part of this is that whether you're playing easy, normal, or hard largely doesn't depend on your skill as a player. It largely depends on your jet ski. So your jet ski, you can upgrade with different like speed up, boot parts, power up, or uh, t turning parts, extra boost parts, things like that. And so like when you go to hard mode, which is like a normal jet ski, there's basically no way you're going to win because all these other skiers have their, or jet skiers or competitors have their jet skis, you know, upgraded to a certain degree. Um, and so they're going to always be ahead of you. And this is true for online as well. So if somebody, you know, has a higher like leveled up jet ski than you, there's basically no chance you'll win against them. Unfortunately, you can unequip stuff. So you basically have like a, a certain point pull for your jet ski. So you can kind of pick and choose what kind of power ups you put on there. But as far as I can tell from the early game of this, it's all additive right now. So eventually maybe I'll get to the point where that's not the case, but, but for now it's all additive. So, so it's just like, when you're starting the game, you just have a worse jet, jet ski than everybody else. That's just how it is. And the AI or the, you know, NPCs, you know, have also have bad jet skis with you. But if you go online, there's a good chance you're going to lose just because you haven't actually played the story mode yet, which is kind of a problem that PHP Splash had as well, where basically you had to level up your characters before you can be competitive online. It's, it's kind of an annoying thing. I wish they kept, I wish they kept the online space, you know, level, you know, make it, make sure it's competitive rather than, you know, taking these things that you're grinding with online and putting them online. Like they really, really should make that like the progression separate between online and multiplayer is probably what it is. But, and the fact that they kind of messed it up twice between two multiplayer games is, is a little concerning, <laughs> um, but you know, it just makes it hard because these games already are not particularly popular. So the first night I played, uh, jet ski, jet girls, I went ahead and went online and tried to do some matchmaking is like seven o'clock Pacific time. Um, and found one person and that was it. So that was kind of kind of frustrating. And then uh, this weekend, there's a uh, somebody in the anime esports community that's trying to 
organize basically competitive nights for this. I think the only people on there that really were trying to get in that competitive group was me and him and everybody else was just kind of happened to be there. I'd say there was probably about like, you know, six to eight other players online on a Saturday around seven o'clock uh, uh, Pacific time. So, so a little bit busier on the weekend. So that was kind of encouraging, but for a game that just launched, you know, having less than 10 people online at once is maybe not the most encouraging <laughs> thing. But the, the nice thing is that Jet Girls does not require um, more than two players online to to compete. So in, in Peach Beach Splash, it was a three, a minimum was a three versus three multiplayer game, uh, which originally was five versus five, then they actually patched it to not be that. Um, and so you need at least six people playing to, to in order to play online, unless you're doing like a free mode. Um, in this, in this one, you only need two people to start a ranked match. So, you know, the, there will be CPUs on the track, but they're basically fodder. They're running, you know, super slow. They're basically on easy mode kind of thing. I don't really understand the point of having that other than just, I don't know. It's, it's also kind of weird because you can only do four players online, uh, as far as I can tell, but the number of participants in a race is six. So, so two of them are always CPUs. Just a lot of weird decisions like that around the game. So anyways, I need to spend more time with it. The story mode is about what you expect kind of thing. Just a lot of frivolous dialogue, not a lot going on. I did see some, some conversations about the game in terms of, um, being, you know, quite toned down in terms of the fan service nature. You know, this game kind of comes out of, you know, the, the same team that worked on Sinner Kagura. And there was an anime that came out for, for Jet Girls ahead of time too. And Jet Girls, the anime has a lot more fan service. I think it like literally will show like, like boobs and nipples and stuff like that. Um, like, and so it, it definitely has that fan service nature to it. And I think there is a, at least one instance of somebody getting shot and they're like part of their clothing falling off. Is, is, is a part of that. So, and, and Peach Beach Splash had the same thing where, like, when characters get shot enough, their clothing would fall off. The video game has none of that. Um, you know, they they all have big boobs still, and some of them are, are scantily clad, and they're, like, jiggle physics, but it's not really anything that's drawn attention to or anything like that. So it seems like the Sinner Kagura fan base may not be particularly happy about that. Um, you know, how much of the Sinner Kagura fan base is left at this point? I actually don't really know. If you don't know, you know, with Sinner Kagura 7, they were like, oh... We actually can't release this game how we are planning to because of the new, you know, Sony guidelines on PS4 kind of thing. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things where, like, I really wonder, you know, how much of their player base is left for Sinner Kagura and how much can they leverage those. And, uh, and Jet Girls does have Sinner Kagura characters as DLC characters, um, so you can buy them. They're expensive, though. It's like $30 for the Sinner Kagura pack, and, you know, they're essentially, you know, cosmetics for the most part. I think technically they might have their own tricks and stuff. Um, but nothing, nothing enough that, that really in my, my eyes would warrant $30, but you know, who can say if you're, if you really care, it's, it's, it's there, but yeah, people seem to be kind of upset about that. I will say, you know, from my personal perspective, um, you know, I think there's some things you can say about, you know, how, how the developers got to the point that they made Synergy or Peach Beach Splash, um, and, and how that kind of came from probably a desire to do some kind of like water gun game with their, with, you know, their busty characters and things like that. Um, and, and whether or not you get a Peach Beach Splash without that initial concept, I don't know. Um, but when it came to the core gameplay of what you're doing in Peach Beach Splash, nothing was particularly reliant on that sexual nature of the game. It's not like Gun Gun Pixies, where Gun Gun Pixies, um, I think that game is very reliant on, on the sexual aspect of it. I, I, I don't know what Gun Gun Pixies looks like if you strip that stuff away 
from from the game. Where I feel like Peach Peach Splash, you could you could envision another type of shooter that plays like Center Group Peach Peach Splash. And I think that same thing's for Jet Girls. I think Jet Girls is very much playable without any kind of fan service, and and the concept is very very much still a a solid concept as is. So I'm personally not really bothered that much by by the removal of that stuff. Uh, when it comes to just the game itself, you know how I feel about you know. Sony kind of putting their foot down about these kind of things is a whole other thing. Um, but, but you know, that's just kind of, kind of how it is. There's a lot of arguments about, you know, <laughs> anime and how it treats uh, their anime characters and, and often underage looking. I, I actually don't know how old the characters in Center Figure are. I, I, I assume they've been aged up for America at the very least, but who can say? Um, but yeah, so I, I saw that and that might in, in the long run hurt like the long term feasibility of Jet Girls in terms of his player base if people aren't really, you know, going after it and, and, and playing it. But but at the very least I can point to Jet Girls and be like, hey, you should play this game and not like feel too bad about it. Where Peach Peach Splash is like, hey, you should play Peach Peach Splash. But also, by the way, when you shoot the girls, all their clothes rip off kind of thing. <laughs> like that's that's a harder conversation to have uh with with some people. So so yeah. Either way, I think the mechanics Jet Girls is pretty great. I just think a lot of the stuff around Jet Girls is maybe lacking, but I need to spend more time with the game for sure. If you want to see some Jet Girls gameplay from me specifically for some reason, um, I did stream a little bit of Jet Girls at the end of the stream last week. Um, so if you go to like the last 10 minutes of the stream, you'll be able to see um, see some gameplay there uh, where I play, play some Jet Girls. And I'll probably have some kind of quick play or something like that uh, uh, later on down the line. So, and the rest of what I've been playing this week has mainly been multiplayer stuff, maybe a little too much multiplayer stuff. I'm not really sure. I got to figure out where I'm going to be balancing things or not, because I do want to like move forward on playing Crystal Chronicles at this point. Uh, but, but also there's some other things that, that are kind of up in the air. So, so the first game I played this week was a uh, rainbow six Vegas, not going to spend too much time on it other than just, you know, I do enjoy, uh, shooters that have a higher stakes It's part of why I like player unknown battleground, because you know, your life is kind of precious in that game. Uh, and rainbow six Vegas is very much that same way where, where, you know, if you die in like a, um, we, we were doing like the cooperative modes in that game. So if you die in the cooperative modes, you're kind of dead until the next round. You don't get like a respawn, like a halo or something like that. So you do need to be careful with your life and not like, you know, just rushing it, rushing in kind of thing. The story mode in, with four players is a little, little weird because they basically stripped all the story out of it, but you still play the mission. But like some of the aspects of the mission are still there. Like when you're helicoptering in, in the first mission, when there's like a bunch of dialogue in the single player and the multiplayer, is just, you guys all kind of like awkwardly staring at each other in the, the helicopter. And there's a lot of like intercom messages that should be playing while you're going through the mission. And in this case, there's just nothing. Um, so, so it's very much just like that. You can play through the story mode in multiplayer, but you're not getting any of the story kind of thing. That, so that was kind of weird. Uh, also played a little bit more Overcooked 2. I don't really have a lot to say about Overcooked 2 at this time. I'll probably have to organize some thoughts about Overcooked because in the end, I don't really have a lot to say in general, to be honest with you, about Overcooked. We'll see. Maybe I won't even speak about it, but it's fun enough. There's some fun gimmicks here and there that, you know, that seem fine, but I, I don't know. I don't really feel like playing. I, I guess I don't really feel like talking about Overcooked 2 at this time is what it is more than anything. Um, and then uh, I went ahead and started up Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered, which uh, seems perfectly fine. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, kind of... Uh, bad mojo about the multiplayer ahead of time uh, before that game was coming out. And, and those issues are definitely there. Like the things you read about the multiplayer is probably mostly true. I, th I think there's a couple of misunderstandings, but overall it's a very 
disjointed experience. It's not really like a God Eater experience where you're going to play together with players throughout the whole game. Like the original game, original Crystal Chronicles, you know, you're all in a party together and you're going from place to place. Here, it's very much just like, you can join my dungeon run if you want kind of thing. Um, but that's kind of it. And it seems almost more geared towards single player in some ways, like a single player where you're playing with random people online. It doesn't really seem geared toward, you know, getting a group of people together and playing through it that way kind of thing. Um, which I think is, is kind of cool in its own way. Um, but, but yeah, it'd be nice if you could just like kind of get people in a group and just simplify that process. So it's not just a lot of like, who's making the group, who's joining in. Also, there's like three friends menus and you can join people from one of them, but the other ones you can't kind of thing. It's, it's kind of a weird, a weird set of things. Um, so yeah, but, but generally it seems fine. Uh, there, you know, it's a good looking game still. I mean, the GameCube game still looked great and, uh, and this game looks pretty good. There's, they, they, there's are things where they added some things here in, in terms of visuals and there's other things that they took out from the GameCube game. Uh, but it's all very minor stuff. If, if you hadn't looked at that game in 20 plus years and then looked at it now, I don't think you would, you would look at it and be like, oh, the, the, the blur effects from these, these slowdown things are, are, are different kind of thing like i don't think anybody cares about that um but it was interesting to see as somebody who had played that game more recently and was able to look at the opening video and be like this opening video is different actually from what i remember and then like go get my gamecube copy and like put them side by side kind of thing because i care i care to see the differences so but it seems fun enough i don't know if i'll really push hard to get to the single player of that game i might just kind of tag along with people as they're as they're playing it kind of thing uh I, I, I don't I don't imagine myself like committing to to like making a ton of progress on my own, but but we'll see. You know, I, I I'm kinda busy right now in terms of, of stuff, so but I'll definitely play along with some some friends as as I go forward. So in terms of news this week, uh there's actually a lot of trailers that came out that I that I saw um that kind of had some games that were of interest. There's that Nintendo Directs Partners event. These Nintendo Directs just kind of come out of nowhere now. <laughs> like I think they literally did not announce this one ahead of time. Uh somebody speculated because they're sick and tired of of people getting their their expectations up like Metroid Prime's going to be here and it's like it's a partners event. We're going to talk about third party games. Although there was like a fake post going around about a Fire Emblem Fates uh, HD collection for Switch that I definitely fell for for briefly a few hours. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, but then when I went, went and watched the actual Direct, I was like, oh, that's not in here at all kind of thing. Which which I thought it was weird al- already because, you know, those partner Directs are focused towards third party. Uh, but they showed off some fun stuff. Like there's a um, Saga collection coming out. Um, so, you know, Final Fantasy Legend specifically, a bunch of Game Boy games. Uh, I have the first one on Game Boy, um, but I, I haven't sat down and played it yet still. I don't know if I want to or not. <laughs> I feel like Saga games, maybe I should be careful of which ones I choose, to be honest with you, rather than just jumping into whatever one I just could kind of get my hands on. But cool to see that stuff coming out. I think that might be a physical collection you can get. I, I didn't look into it, to be honest, but but that'd be cool. I, I imagine at least in Japan, you can get a physical collection for it. Um, then there's Taiko no Tatsujin Rhythm Adventure Pack. Uh, this is the two um, rhythm RPG kind of t- Taiko games, the, the Taiko Drum Master games. So you have like the little drums that you hit. Um, it's a it's an RPG version of that. Um, so you kind of walk around an overworld and you get into battles. And when you go into battles, you go and play a rhythm mini games with the, the Taiko stuff. Um, I will say that the battles don't seem particularly like battles per se. They just seem like kind of battle or rhythm games dis- disguised as battles so it's not like you know a tokadol where you're choosing attacks and things like that it seems very much just like hey you're gonna play a rhythm game but it's gonna be within the context of this battle or something right um 
But you know, I, I think I am interested in that game, and I might I might pick it up. It is digital only, which is sad. Uh, at least in the U.S., I haven't seen if the other regions have uh, physical copies or not. Um, but I might I might try that one out. I, I I like rhythm games with a gimmick. I'm not a huge fan of just rhythm games for the sake of a, a rhythm game. So if they have like something that's like a JRPG from start to finish kind of thing, um, then I think I can definitely get into that to some degree. But we'll see. I, I didn't see when it was coming out. I think it was like later this year, maybe like Q4 or something like that. I'd have to double check, but this is a podcast and I'm just going to read the garbage or say the garbage out of my mind rather than actually do research. What are you, what are you looking, what are you looking at this podcast for? <laughs> All right. Anyways, um, uh, Gamescom also happened and I, I unfortunately didn't pay a ton of, ton of attention to the Gamescom conference that happened. I just, I was at work at the time, so I kind of like checked in on it here and there. And then afterwards, I didn't rewatch the Gamecom event. I just basically looked at what was announced. The big thing that stood out to me was Medal of Honor uh, Above and Beyond. This is a VR Medal of Honor game, and it looks very Wii-like in some ways. I think it's an on-rail shooter, um, and so you're kind of going around and and basically um, doing, you know, World War II stuff. Uh, but in, in, in VR. So if you've ever seen like how Medal of Honor Heroes looks on the Wii, it looks very similar to that. You kind of have your floating arms, so you can kind of, you know, aim guns around on screen and things like that. And and kind of, you know, you don't have to turn with the bounding box anymore, thankfully, like with on the Wii. So so it looks pretty cool. They did say there's some multiplayer, so I assume there's probably going to be some level of like roaming, if not in the entire single player. But at least what they were showing in the story mode, it seemed very kind of like funnily linear experience kind of thing. Um, with a very cinematic vibe to it. A lot of pretty interesting character designs for a World War II game. A lot more, um, I don't know how to put it. Like they, they had fantastical hair where most, uh, where most World War II games, I feel like everybody just kind of shaved heads kind of thing. So, so yeah, it looks neat and it looks fun. Um, I don't have a VR headset. I think it's maybe particular for Oculus Rift headsets right now. You know, how, you know, open that is or not to other headsets i'm not really sure i'm sure there's ways to get around that even if it is technically locked to an oculus headset um but it looks pretty neat i don't think i'll get around to playing it but that if i had a vr headset i think that'd be a game i would end up playing and then there's a couple of other games that i uh that i saw just kind of mentioned here and there i'm not sure if any of these came from any particular thing uh one was nevaya 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 i'd probably should look at the japanese name to see how it's actually pronounced but the the it, it's it's spelt out like n-e-v-a E-H. And this is a like black and white platformer that has a very like Paper Mario aesthetic, although the characters are very much just like kind of cutesy chibi anime kind of characters instead of like Paper Mario. And uh, it uses like a light that you light system where you basically have this butterfly that emits light and you kind of move them around screen to solve puzzles and things like that. It seems like there might be some like uh, enemy encounters that you kind of handle with that too. And I, see, I think that at some point there's someone or the, the main character kind of uses a mirror shield kind of thing to kind of like point light around stuff. So it seems very like because of puzzle platformy kind of thing um and that's a switch game uh, i don't know if that's like a a small independent developer or an actual team working on that uh but it's got a cute aesthetic and i'll, I'll link the trailer in the, the 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 show notes if you're if you're curious about that and there's also aikatsu planet which is a a revamp of aikatsu so if you don't know aikatsu has been a long-running rhythm arcade game basically if, if, if you've watched the token all video the the genre i coined was the fashion rhythm genre so it's a lot about like dressing up your characters and getting bonuses based off that playing mini games during rhythm aspects and things like that so so a very very kid friendly uh rhythm game usually focused around fashion kind of thing and aikatsu has been this all, long ongoing thing and they definitely have been you know releasing new versions of the game but they're all very much built off the same kind of 
uh, architecture and setup. You know, they've been using a lot of the same character models for a long time. They did they did do a character model revamp uh, a couple of times for some existing characters, um, but but it's largely been working out the same technology. This is, as far as I can tell, an entirely new system. It has two uh, two touch screens or, or no, one bottom touch screen. It's like almost DS like where the bottom screen is a touch screen. And you have an additional screen on the top screen as well. And you use the uh, touch screen uh, in a very like love life kind of way to kind of like touch the notes. And and the actual inputs are very similar um, where it's like just like a three button input kind of thing. Actually, no, I'm a liar. Icatsu has three buttons, but the uh, the touch screens have six points of contact actually. So it's like three three points of contact on each side. So you're basically like touching the screen to touch those uh, those aspects of the, of the game. The, the, the biggest change I noticed here though, you know, the rhythm stuff, whatever. It's going to be a very simple mini, rhythm mini game. This is aimed at kids. Um, the big change here is it doesn't look like you have clothing cards anymore, or at least that was not the focus of the video they put out. Um, and so from what they showed in the, the video they put out is that the character always starts on stage in like kind of a, I don't know if it drab isn't the right word, but it's like a, a kind of like slick, bland, kind of looking uh, futuristic dress kind of thing. It's, it's very, it's very stylish, but maybe not fashionable. Right. Um, and and you start the match with you and another person on stage, and so you are playing the rhythm mini game. And before the game, you load up pets, and these pets have different levels associated with them, and it looks like maybe particular elements as well. And your pet at some point of the song will compete against the other player's pet, and then whoever's pet basically wins based off you know whatever stats they have. Um, it then gives the winner of the pet the outfit associated with that pet. Uh, so they're wearing that outfit, and I assume they're getting points, bonus points to their performance kind of thing. So you're getting your higher level points. Um, so you kind of go back forth fighting between, you know, your pets, and then whoever wins gets their their outfit kind of thing. And it's 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 very similar in some ways, but also very different. And so that does make me a little worried about the customization aspect of the game. You know, Ikatsu allows you to choose, you know, accessories, top bar, top pieces, pants and shoes kind of thing. So you have like different customizable things you can put on. And this game, it seems very much like the pet just kind of has a, a pre-configured outfit that you're putting on. So that that's definitely an interesting change, I think, if, if that if that clothing aspect is not in the game for now. The cards are also squares too now rather than um rather than like a full card. So so they they they're kind of kind of weird and, and they're like tilted to the side too, I think, so they're almost more like diamonds than anything. So, I'm interested to see how this game turns out if it if it does succeed in kind of uh, you know, re- rebooting the Aikatsu franchise if that's where Aikatsu's going to be from now on or if they end up doing something where, you know, it doesn't really work out and they have to kind of revert back to the old Aikatsu style. Um, but it's interesting to see. It's interesting to see that um that game. And I'll have I'll have videos for that in the show notes too if you're if you're curious. And that's that's kind of it this week. Um, so yeah, thank you for coming. OneChillBird.com is the website. So so I, I mentioned this on the stream a bit, but I think this month month for September, I'm not gonna have any you know major content coming out. So the big thing's gonna be quick plays. I'm gonna try to have a quick play every week this month, and I have plenty of games to do it with. Like I said, the quick plays have a new format. So let me know what you think about them. They're definitely more um, outlined in some ways, but they're not me reading off a script. So they're not as like you know um, as as I don't know if stilted is the right word, but more more strict in its wording as the the reviews are. So so watch a couple of them and let me know. The first one is Halo or not Halo, uh, Muscle March uh, for the WiiWare, and the second one is Halo Three ODST. So let me know how those are. I'll probably end up making more for the rest of the month and see how that goes. And uh, and hopefully if it works out, then we'll keep doing those. Those are definitely. 
I found that to be a bit easier than the the original quick plays because the original quick plays I had to do a lot of um, planning around where in the game I would be able to show you and what would you know be the best for showing the largest swath of the game, which had problems with games like Final Fantasy XV, where that game was drastically different throughout the 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 process. So having something that I can just kind of you know do a a quick read over an outline and then and then just edit some footage too, I think think might be best uh we're still playing the last rebellion i learned some new things about last rebellion that will hopefully make the experience better basically the thing is is that don't sit there and try to figure out the boss's um weak points one by one just start smacking the enemy a bunch and eventually at some point you'll get a um a uh little tick on on one of the spots to say hey this is the weak point number four and there's some other patterns that you can kind of pay attention to like it's almost always left hand then right hand or something like that um so so there's some things i've learned about that game that's definitely making it more playable and it's kind of changing my opinion on that game quite a bit i feel like so so still streaming that so we still got that up for the next like two or three weeks or so probably and, uh, and we'll see from there. And I'm thinking Billy Hatcher is probably what we'll end up playing next on the stream. But I, I, won't, I won't commit to that just yet. So anyways, thanks to you again for coming for this week. OneControlWork.com is the website. And I hope you have a great week. Bye.